hello, hello everyone and and welcome to a dub talk podcast um i'm so sorry um i i seem to be lost i i was with my family and then all of a sudden this this wind just picked me up and took me away and i was so sad but it's okay though because i came to this this mysterious place here and i met two amazing individuals who have been great friends to me uh, first of all, I, I met this uh, this little demon, uh, th this uh, demon who listens to uh, Steely Dan music and uh, is really uh, good at uh, researching old time stuff. And he said that he would be my friend if I gave him part of my body. Um, so uh, say hi to Amon. It was a big ass to be Frank, but you know he went through with it. He's cool. <laughs> he can listen. He can listen to my copy of The Nightfly. <laughs> oh, thanks. But wait, is it is it like on vinyl or you got cassette or what what do you got that stored on? Uh, choose your poison, man. Oh, excellent! I always go for cassette. I, I love the, I love those retro sounds on cassette tapes. That needs to be brought back. Um, <clears throat> sorry, voice. And and also, um, I I was I was I was uh, really uh, lonely with no music. But then I ran into this amazing singing cat who is uh, also wants to be a human witch. And, uh, well, you know, she's right over here, so say hi to Gigi. My ribbon's red, my whiskers long, my paws are white as snow. <laughs> and every day I sing this song, no matter where I go, I'm Gigi. And that is why I sing a song, a song of meow, meow, meow. Oh, God. Thank you. That was not written down. That was all from my mind. <laughs> that is amazing. I, I wow. So we're uh, we're going to be put to shame. Both me and Amon are going to be put to shame because we're talking about a movie that both of us are uh, we're familiar with. We've seen it. We got our thoughts on it, but we pale in comparison to the uh, the Unico expert over here. And as you can tell from the singing, uh, she's I think she's got it memorized like like front to back. She's got the whole thing memorized. Pretty much all of it. Pretty much. So that that should give you an indication about um, is this a good movie or not? Well, let's uh, let's talk about it first. Um, so first of all, hi. Uh, this is a retro episode, everyone. Yay for retro episodes! Yay. So we've done on this series before. We've done uh, we've gone back to the beginning of the dub era into the '60s with the Panda and the Magic Serpent episode from Toei. Uh, then we moved into the uh, late 60s, early 70s with A Thousand and One Nights. And now we're moving another decade. We're moving into the early 80s with a madhouse film produced by the Hello Kitty people. Yes, this is a movie from San Rio in an interesting time period where they were essentially trying to be the Japanese Disney. Yes, we are going to talk about the English dub of The Fantastic Adventures of Unico. This is like all my favorite things rolled into one. Disney, <laughs> Hello Kitty, Unicorns, Hot Vampire Boys. Oh, God. I was about to ask, but there's no hot uh, uh, boys in this, and I forgot. Oh, yeah. The, oh, yeah, uh, there the is. Demon. Mm -hmm. He's a... Uh, I, I gotta admit, the the scene where um was it Katie's uh told like she she's get, you gotta get out of here and she's like I hope he comes back soon. I was just like ah. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah I, I guess we'll start to uh, talk about um this is uh uh you may be asking um how old this is if you've never heard of it before um this is a movie from 1981. The dub is not much older actually. Um Sanrio created this movie. 
and must have commissioned an English dub for it because it premiered in America with the English dub that we're going to talk about just two years after its Japanese release in 1983. And um, are, are you guys familiar about kind of why Sanrio uh, was making animated films around this time? I'm, go I'm going to be very cynical and say it was to make money. I, no, nobody I, goes into animation to make money. I don't know. <laughs> Well, you're not entirely wrong. Um, so Sanrio, uh, basically, uh, starting in the late 70s, they, uh, were, uh, th they were gung-ho on breaking into the Western sphere of influence. Like, they, they didn't want to just conquer the animation world. Uh, they wanted to break into the comics world as well. So first and foremost, Unico started out as a, a character created by Astro Boy creator Dr. Osama Tezuka himself. Yes, he, he didn't get that PhD for nothing. Um, and uh, Sanrio had this magazine called Lyrica, which is basically this 100-page shoujo manga that was in, like, full color, had a bunch of amazing work done on it, and they were trying to bring it over into America. And they actually did get a couple of issues of that broadcast uh, printed in America. And at the same time, they were uh, also thinking, well, we don't really want to do television animation because, I mean, that's, that's all well and good, but it doesn't have, like, the long-lasting... Uh, brand loyalty that a movie does. Now, keep in mind, this is in the late 70s when, uh, like, TV animation on both sides was, like, it could make money from merchandise, but it was very uh, cheap and kind of uh, forgettable of that time period. But then you look at Disney movies uh, that were made during the Walt Disney era, and they're like, that's what we want. We want to make movies that will stand the test of time. And they did. They made a bunch of different movies that were really high-quality animation. There was a ton of work, money, frames put into all of these. Unico happened to be one of them. Uh, so what is your guys' experience, I guess, with uh, the entire franchise? Uh, this is the first anime I've ever watched. And nope, it's the very first one. Probably watched it a lot younger than I should have. Um, I've seen this movie so many times, like I literally have lost count and I love it every time I watch it. And uh, not shockingly to some people, a lot of the qualities that I seem to have as a grown ass adult uh, have stemmed from <laughs> things I've picked up while watching this movie. Uh, I don't know. I just love it. Like I saw it when I was a kid and I just continued to watch it i remember the discotheque the first time it came out on dvd was on it came out on my birthday and i was like oh, <gasps> this is fate. a sign like i love unico <laughs> so much the second movie i didn't watch till i was maybe like three years ago or something and i don't like the second one as much um because it doesn't have cute boys in it or like witchy things or kitties I well, like the it, it first does. one a lot better. Well, it does, but they're not as cool as the first one. That's my You're nostalgia right. boner talking, so. <laughs> Put that in the lexicon, nostalgia boner. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I should really compare the, the sequel to the original movie, but it I feel like it was trying to go for uh, maybe a more darker, mature, less Disney-like direction than this one was trying for. I mean, I, you, I don't know how you could go a lot darker than the first half being in, like, hell and the second half yeah. with a giant demon lava monster. But hell yeah. 
Guys. You you go, Unico. You go, Glencoe, go. Guys, is the second Unico movie Sanrio's The Black Cauldron? Actually, kind I of? think the first movie is more The Black Cauldron. <laughs> That's true. Mm. I mean, it, it's not like it made it... I mean, if you're talking about, like, on terms of finances, kind of. But as I far just, as, like, I, actual tone... I, I, just, I just meant as being kind of like a weird, dark fantasy movie that doesn't quite fit with the oh. brand of the company. I feel like the second movie is more Fantasia, and the first okay. movie is more Black Cauldron. Okay. Uh, okay. That's interesting that you say that, uh, that, that you call it Fantasia-like, because Sanrio did make their own attempt at a, at a Fantasia movie uh, before this one. Uh, they they uh, had this really complex um, collage movie called Metamorphoses, and I mean, we could talk about that another time, but that that was their actual attempt at a Fantasia. This is, I don't know if I, could, I don't know what I call it exactly, but it's definitely dark. It is darker than you would peg the Hello Kitty people for. I'll definitely give you that. Um, so uh, and Amon, you uh, did you say that you um, this was your first time watching this movie just for this podcast, right? Yes. Prior to this, I mostly know of Unico by uh, reputation, in that uh, they are. Two movies, they're well-liked. There is a manga, which I uh, helped back the English release of on Kickstarter, and then a few Kickstarters later realized I should probably start giving BMP my money. Uh, and I've largely <laughs> avoided that since then, because the people who run it are terrible, and I hate them. Good job, Dang. I'm proud. Also, they, re they won't reprint Flowers of Life, so I'm just mad in general. <laughs> Not even, like, a digital version? I mean, I think there's a digital version, but I want to have my goddamn shelf gut. Look. Look, look, if they're gonna, if, why, why, I'm blanking on the name of the author who did Flowers of Life, but why are you going to license a bunch of her shit and then just sit on it? Like, why? Why? Let someone else, look this let up, someone yeah. else release it, god damn it. Anyways. <laughs> no, I get you. Uh, I, I, you, uh, you seem... Amon has a lot of opinions about the manga industry he doesn't talk about <laughs> on the podcast because it's not particularly relevant to what we talk about. We'll, we'll save that for maybe another time because this, I, I just, I realized I had failed to give an actual plot synopsis of what happens in this movie. So maybe I should do that as well in case anyone listening hasn't seen the movie yet. I hope they've seen it because this movie is 30, no, 40 years old now. So you've had plenty of time to watch it, people. But in case you haven't, okay, so Unico is uh, about a, like Gigi was saying, a uh, young baby unicorn. It's, it's adorable. I want to own the plushie of it who is born with the ability to make people feel better, either by uh, just their magic uh, making them feel better in, like, you know, chemical balance ways, or just his incredibly upbeat personality that makes people feel good about who they are as a person. Like, he is incredibly positive thinking. And that pisses off the gods. The, the gods of Olympus, uh, petty assholes that they've always been, decide we can't have other people making people feel happy. Only we can do that. So they basically order Unico to be destroyed by their minion, the West Wind. The West Wind does not do that. The West Wind actually hides Unico wherever she can, where the gods will not be able to find him. And in those hidings in this movie, and in the entire manga, if I understand correctly, uh, he encounters different people who have some problems, and his positivity just makes their lives a little bit better only for him to be swept away once the story's over because hey the gods realize where he is now in this particular movie the fantastic adventures of unico 
He encounters two individuals. He encounters a small demon named Bezel, who just wants to be tough and like his dad, but doesn't know friendship. Unico teaches him the power of friendship. And then we have to leave that story. And then we get dropped into a story with a kitty named Katie, who just wants to be a real human girl. And she gets her wish, thanks to Unico's magic, which leads to some unfortunate uh, misadventures with a baron who... I don't quite know what possessed him exactly. I, I don't think he quite grew out of, uh, you know, his uh, uh, angsty high school phase. But, again, Unico's got to save the day there. And it it's just a bunch of episodic adventures that ends in the world caught on lava. Fun for the whole family. So, with that being said, yes, there was a dub for this. And Sanrio was trying really hard to break into the, uh, the sphere of the Western world. And you can't do that with a subtitled movie. So, they commissioned a dub made for this. So... Uh, I guess before we jump into this, um, Gigi, being the one who's uh, seen this a long time ago, um, would you call this a good dub? I think by terms of dubs that came out around that time for, right, for foreign media, a.k.a. anything that was not Disney, I'd say it was pretty good. I have these characters' voices ingrained in my head. I have inside jokes with my family about them. Like, I can remember all the words to the dub songs. Like, clearly. Yeah. Um, I think there are some issues just in some kind of tropes that the dub had that we can talk about. But from all the other ones that I've heard from around that time period, I think this one probably would be my favorite one. But again, that's my nostalgia boner talking. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to fight against that. It really is. Those member berries are really hard to drown. Oh boy, here we go. All right, and I'm sorry, and Amon, as you know, again, you're uh, viewing this for the first time, so you've got a 2021 brain going into this dub that's you know almost 40 years old now. Mm -hmm. Good, surprise, just as bad as you expected it to be, what? It's very early 80s. It, I, 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 I sort of, it's funny to me that this was dubbed so closely to when it came out because it feels very much like, yes, it's, it's sort of a thing where like by 2021 standards, this is like, okay, maybe. <laughs> uh, but by the standard, but like if you, if you like, it, you know, it's the sort of thing like if you played me this and then you played me like the Care Bears movie, I would say like this, all this voice acting feels so... <laughs> About par, really. Okay, or, but yeah. fucking Mickey Rooney was in the Care Bears movie. <laughs> yes, he was. They had star power for Nelvana. Like, <laughs> Rusi Taylor did Strawberry Shortcake. Like, Bettina Bush was in Rainbow Bright. I could tell you all about this shit. But Robert this... De Niro was in the My Little Pony movie. So was Danny DeVito. No, I'm sorry, Danny. I meant Robert Danny De Not Robert, Robert De Niro. Danny DeVito. Oh, God. Robert De Niro is a completely different actor. I don't know why. I said oh my that. god, I'm, Danny I'm DeVito. So much today. My husband. <laughs> did you know I used to have a poster of Danny DeVito on my bedroom wall? Two no, of from them. Which movie? What? I. It, it, depends. <laughs> depends. One of them was Batman Returns. All right. Oh god. The other one was Other People's Money, but that was just because Danny DeVito was in it. <laughs> I love fucking Danny DeVito. Anyway, but like this movie didn't have any star power. 
It was literally like people who were dubbing television anime were in this movie. And then like, we never heard from him again. In other movies, we've heard from somebody like who is currently dubbing something today, but we went through that in a different podcast. So I won't go through it again. It's also not this movie, but like some of them we won't hear for another 10, 15 years. Like it's, I think it's good for the time for something that didn't have the money to give a lot of movie star famous people like mm-hmm. stunt casting. So let's let's actually talk about who the, the cast is. And again, for those who maybe this is your first retro episode, we're not going to break this down into like you know different groups like we normally do for this podcast. We're just going to list the entire cast up front, what they've done before and since. And then kind of go into, like, like what the hell is this dub? Because we're going to be talking about some names, as Gigi said, who we will never talk about on this podcast ever again. I guarantee you we'll never talk about them ever again. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, because it's very interesting. But like I said, uh, this is uh, this was dubbed in, I'm from my research, it seems like this was an L.A. dub. So they got a lot of uh, people who, have, who were doing TV animation at the time, yes, um... Uh, so, starting off with, uh, who was the director and the scriptwriter for this? Uh, this is going to be interesting. Um, it's actually a gentleman by the name of Ardwright Chamberlain. Now, name may not sound too familiar, but he has been around doing writing for a lot of uh, L.A.-dubbed uh, both animation and live-action stuff for quite a while. Um, to, to talk about some of the famouser stuff, um, if you've seen the dub for Samurai Pizza Cats, and who of us hasn't, uh, he worked on the script writing for that. So you can thank him for a lot of the improv jokey things that were in that dub. Love that show. Uh, into like the more modern era, though, he was uh, one of the writers on Digimon and uh, the Terraformer series. So he's still got, you know, he, he's still working around in that, uh, you know, television dubbing era. For and th- this was uh, it seems like one of the first things that he did work on. So we get to see like the beginnings of a man who would be a staple in the industry for a while. Now let's talk about the actual cast itself. I'm gonna go through here. If you know the name of these people I'm gonna talk about, feel free to cheer because that means that you are an amazing voice chaser. Starting off with the first actor here, we're gonna talk about Unico just up in front here. The main character is voiced by none other than Barbara Goodson. Yay! I, I know all of you. Like you two, myself, everyone listening here knows who Barbara Goodson is. Um, I mean, just off the front here, um, if you've seen Fooly Cooly, she voices Nauta in that. Uh, even up to the present day, she's still voicing. Uh, like one of the more recent things we talked about, uh, she was the granny in the movie Lou Over the Wall we talked about not too long ago. She's the character of Backwarder in Miraculous Ladybug. But, Amon, please tell me, what what is the thing that most people probably know Barbara Goodson for, just in the general sphere of things? Well, I mean, if you're my age, she's Reed Repulsa. Yeah. That's, that's it right there. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's a, I mean, that's 100% the first thing I ever heard her, and even if I didn't know it yeah. at the time. That's what I hoped you would say. <laughs> but, uh, yes, that is her. Playing a very different voice in this movie, which we'll, we'll get to in a bit. All right, uh, so let's see. The other characters in here. All right, um, first I want to uh, quickly uh, go through um, the first uh, other character we meet. Uh, the West Wind is the one who, um, you know, uh, sweeps uh, Unico away. Is voiced by Diane Lander. 
Now, Diane, according to the credits that I was able to find, hasn't really done a lot of work recently and really hasn't done animation much besides this movie and the sequel. Um, she, you would probably actually know her more if you watched uh, any 70s television animation, uh, not animation, sorry, live action series, because she had bit parts in some really big shows like Murder, She Wrote, Dukes of Hazards, and Charlie's Angels. You're like, just one of those industry people who you can catch uh, doing episodic parts in uh, good television from that time period. Now, moving on to uh, our first location, when we uh, first drop Unico off, and it's like, well, we gotta hide him here. It's not an abandoned island. It's actually, uh, it's got two people on it, soon to be one person. The first person is the Devil of Solitude, who's got this really interesting, like, echo effect in his voice to make him sound more intimidating. That was the voice of our director, Ardwright Chamberlain. And uh, as far as, like, actual acting goes, like, uh, I already talked about the things he's written for, but what is he voiced before? Uh, Gigi, I'm on. Have either of you guys watched the show Babylon 5? No. Are you fucking serious? I, I Wait, wish I what? was, but I'm... I'm sorry, so... but... All right, continue. <laughs> now I'm curious. Okay, I... <laughs> well, I'm asking because I haven't seen it, so I'm going to list the name of the character that Ardwright played in that, and I'm assuming you'll know who this is. Do you... Is there a character named... Kosh in that show? Wait, hold on. He's using the Google machine. Oh my god, he's the fucking Vorlon. Jesus Christ. <laughs> wow, alright. This is not something I, mean, I expected to learn today. With this whole episode's gonna be about teaching people stuff. I love this. God damn. This is why I went to teaching school. Damn. Uh, but yeah, that, that's like, I think that's the biggest thing that anyone's going to know because a lot of people have heard of Babylon 5, even if they haven't actually seen it, if they've seen no Star Trek, they at least have heard of the show. Um, like, like one other thing, uh, as far as like acting goes, just, just to throw out like how long he's been in the game. Um, have either of you guys seen the loop in the third movie, the mystery of Mamo, the very first movie? Chris has three copies of it. That doesn't mean you've saw it. Nope, sure I have, haven't. I, I have okay. I have one copy of it and also haven't seen it. That's fair. It's got four dubs on gonna... it, I know that. That that's what I was gonna point out is that okay, so uh, for the streamlined dub of it, Ardwright played the role of Goemon. And that was, I believe, the first oh. dub that they gave this movie. That it, uh, like these guys said, there's oh. been like four dubs of that movie. But yeah, he's he played Goemon in that, so that's interesting. Now, what's also interesting is the Devil of Solitude has a son. And that son is named Bezel. He's a little cute demon character who is is also pocket-sized like Unico. And I also want to own a plush of this. And the not just because, uh, well, you know, he's uh, cute looking, but also who voices Bezel? And, uh, well, if I throw out the name Cheryl Chase, do either of you guys know that name just from the name itself? I don't think so, no. Okay. I put her in the panel at one point, but I can't remember. Okay. Well, you've definitely heard her before. Uh, I mean, um, I know Gigi's heard her before because Gigi's the only one I've met besides my wife who's seen the show Noozles. Uh, Oh, yeah. Pinky in that. That's right. (laughs) That's, That's one thing. That's one thing. But that's not the thing that everyone knows her for. That's not what most of her credits list is. She's Angelica in Rugrats. Oh, yeah. I forgot. That little son of a... 
not great individual from everyone's favorite show from Nickelodeon. I yes. love Angelica. She's the greatest. I don't. I don't know if we've ever had a cast list that has such a strict divide between people you have never heard of, and like, <laughs> oh yeah, you, you. Even if you don't know who this person is, you know them. Like you, you have that's heard exactly their voice this, repeatedly. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly what this cast list is. Because I'm like, I, I gotta admit, like I knew half of the cast list for Rugrats. Like I know, uh, I know. Tommy's voice actor, I know Chucky's voice actor, I know Kay Susie, who plays Lil and Dill. I never learned who voiced Angelica, and now I know. I know it's Cheryl Chase, and she's still voicing Angelica, even to the recent CGI series that's on Paramount Plus right now. Wild. Yes, indeed. So that is the, so that's the island, uh, yeah, it's the island that we first get into, and we see Beezle later on when we get into the second half of the movie, where we meet Katie the Cat. Now, Katie the Cat is voiced by Robin Levinson, and she is not uh, doesn't have as many credits uh, as some of the other actors we've talked about. Um, if you've ever seen Robotech, and I'm not, I'm going to I'm going to take a wild guess and say, Gigi, you've probably never seen Robotech, right? Just what I had to use for the panel. All right, and Amon, have you seen Robotech? I have seen a little bit of Robotech. Somebody was. Someone was broadcasting that in the Boston area in, like, the late 90s, and I have no idea who. I, I, well, I, yeah, it would make sense. I, 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 when I finally got to anime, I had a very vivid memory of, like, anyway, did I see some show about, like, people fighting giants with planes that turned into robots? Was that anime? What was that? Yes. Oh, that was true. <laughs> That was the bootleg Transformers series. Goddamn. Uh, no, there's a whole bit where they had to get a giant fish into the <laughs> spaceship so they could eat it. I, got, I really got to look this up now, especially now, now that Macross is finally getting licensed. I should probably find out what Robotech actually was. Uh, but the reason I brought it up was because um, uh, Robin voiced the character of Sammy Porter in that show. So, yeah, some voice work before. Although, considering um, what I'm going to say about her performance in this, I'm honestly surprised she doesn't have way more credits. But we'll, we'll get to that in a bit. I actually think uh, she potentially might. I was, do I was doing some kicking online, because I was curious about some of these people. And yep. I don't know this for sure, but I did find some credits for a Robin Levinson, who's now a professor at a university in New York, which, and her resume does list that she previously was an actress. And I don't really? know. I don't know if that's the same person. Like that is not a unique enough name that it has to be the same person. But I, right. she, she is the right age to have been this Robin Levinson, and I am curious if that's the same person or not. We will look that up once we're done recording and post it down in the comments below. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Um, okay. On that uh, note, also, um, Katie and Unico run across an old woman who Katie thinks is a witch. She's probably not. But we're never entirely sure. She could be. We're, we're never quite sure. Uh, but uh, that is uh, a voice that is played by Louise Chamis. And that is a character that, uh, that is an actress that uh, has got a lot of bit parts in, um, honestly, a wide range of stuff. Like, I can't think of a time when I've ever seen an actress who had parts in Technolize, IGPX, and Rockadoodle. I've never seen someone with that wide of a range that whose name I hadn't heard of before. That's impressive. Hmm. Uh, the the other thing that I like I knew her from, and uh, maybe, maybe you guys have seen this before. Um, have you ever seen this um, this Toei animated adaptation of Swan Lake? 
from uh, I think it was from probably from the late seventies. I think I, I, I have I it, it, but I've never seen it. I know it. Exists. Okay, so you, all right, so you know it exists. Okay, and it, it is up streaming. I think it recently got added to um, what's that white website? Crunchyroll. Um, and the reason I bring it up is because Louise plays the character of the queen in that. So yeah, Toei also had quite a few anime features, kind of like Sanrio, where they were trying to break into the Western sphere and got them dubbed on their own dime and. That's where I've heard Louise before. Switching over, though, to the character that Gigi is here to talk about, let's make sure that we mention the Baron, Baron de Ghost, who is voiced by none other than Dave Mallow. And I say that because I'm not quite sure if uh, you guys have heard that name before. Have you? He's in Fooly Cooly. I don't remember who he plays, but he's in that. Okay. Getting no voice from Gigi, so I'm going to assume that's not quite a name that's on her. It, it, she, he's not in her uh, bag of boys. No, I remember looking him up for something else, and I couldn't find anything that was worth mentioning. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's another one of those actors who, he's definitely been around a long time, like, as evidenced by the fact he's in this movie. Like, he's had bit parts in everything from Noozles, again, favorite of Gigi's, uh, to Dogtanian, which is a favorite of Mike Toole, if you've ever read his anything, to uh, the old Lensmen movie that also got a dub, which is a very interesting history that I'm putting on the back burner for a possible future episode because I kind of want to talk about that movie. I'll talk about Lensmen with you. I have no okay. idea what you're talking about. Oh, oh it's a sci-fi. We'll, we, will, we will tell you after the episode. It will okay. be a time. It, it, yeah, it's... So many thoughts on that. People reading, listening to this who know Lensmen are just listening to this like, ah, someone has heard of a thing I've heard of before. But um, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's Dave Mallow. So, yeah, lots of bit parts. and and uh, But he is still acting, actually, um, up to even the present day. Um, if you saw the Digimon Tri movies, uh, he was in those as well. I don't know who he was in those. I think he played, like... Uh, you know, tertiary background characters, but yeah, he still has credits up to the present day, so he's definitely still in the acting sphere. And lastly, we're gonna wrap this up by uh, mentioning really briefly the narrator, who you know, it's not much of a character, but still has a voice. Who we'll throw out there just for mentioning, voiced by J.C. Henning. Now she uh, has been in again a wide range of stuff here. Um, we were talking about Lupin movies dubbed by Streamline just a little bit ago. Well, if you've ever seen the original dub of Castle of Cagliostro, the streamlined dub, she voiced Clarice in that. Yes, before uh, Bridget Hoffman voiced it in the manga entertainment version, uh, J.C. Henning voiced that character. She also voiced the character of Jessup in Armitage 3, which is a sci-fi series that I'm only vaguely familiar with, and the character of Dorothy in Lily Cat, C-A-T, which is... I've been told oh. something I need to watch on Retro Crush, even though it looks absolutely terrifying. Yeah, you should probably watch that. Is it absolutely terrifying? I don't know. I've never seen it, but I own it. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Gigi. You know. I've never seen it, but you should watch it. Well, yes, I've heard to go in completely blindly, so. That's true. I do like that, too. I've seen some amazing stuff just completely blind. Like, I knew nothing about Noween when I blind bought it and ended up really liking it. So, And I also blind watched this movie, too. So uh, let's talk about this dub, now that we've covered who makes up the cast list in this. Um, I'm just going to go out and say, yeah, this was way better than I expected for a foreign dub animation anything from 1983. I am 
thoroughly impressed. And maybe it's just because we're comparing it to the previous movies that we'd covered on here, which had everything from an okay dub to a not really very good dub. This, by contrast, like, this is ready for prime time. I can totally see this sharing time with um, other television movies that were, you know, broadcast around this time. Like, uh, if you've ever seen The Point, which was a made-for-TV movie that had Ringo Starr in it, uh, I can totally see this sharing a time slot with that, just as far as, like, the dub's actually concerned. Anime and Harry Nilsson? Ah. I'm mad after my heart, Noah. It's oh, have you seen that movie? I have not, but I, I should. I like Harry Nilsson. He's great. Like, I mean, the fact that you knew the point was by Harry Nilsson. Like, I think you would really like it. I love the soundtrack for that movie, just like I like the soundtrack for this movie. Yeah. Also, let's talk about the songs for just a bit here. Gigi, you were saying that you'd memorize the music from this. It, I'm assuming because you thought it's good music. I mean, I memorize everything so like if i like something i'll watch it over and over and over and over and over and i'll like rewind the parts and go back to the parts that i like the best so i can't tell you how many times i rewound the tape to listen to the katie the kitty witch song or even the little beginning song in the in the beginning like that song's really cute too i liked watching little unico swing his tail back and forth like I was that like, song, bro, that was, oh, it, it killed me with sugar. I was not ready for that that early in the so movie. so cute. Like, this whole thing is is really cute. Plus, if you go back and you watch the, the Katie song, there's Hello yeah. Kitty in there. There's little twin stars in there. So, like, it's not only yep. the music that was dubbed over that's good. There's also little visual, like, Easter eggs that you could find in there. I just... Yeah, as an imp- as a child, it was my jam, man. That 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 whole that whole kitty Katie the cat. I I'm very mad there wasn't a Katie the witch cat ongoing series because they made a right? whole opening for it. <laughs> Where is the series? Where is it? I would watch that. You know, I'm they pretty sh- I'm pretty sure that I thought Kiki's delivery service was somehow related to this, <laughs> and then when I actually watched Kiki's delivery service, I was really disappointed. Oh, I just you're not you're not wrong to assume that because like not only is the coloring of her outfit kind of similar, but you even got like the bow, and it's a you know it's a cat who wants to be a witch first and foremost. So you're not wrong for having thought that. So I I don't know. I just really like the songs here. And I have watched this since in the Japanese. And there are different songs in the Japanese. And I will tell you, I don't like the songs as much in Japanese as I do in English, especially the ending song. Like, I don't know what it is about that. But I think the English one doesn't have any words, but the the Japanese Mm -hmm. one does. And it's a whole different tone that it gives to the ending of the movie. Because let me tell you, I ball yeah. through the ending every time. Oh, just the credits rolling by while Unico and the Wind are flying by. Yeah, well, and whatever leads up to that, which I don't really want to spoil right. at this moment. But um, okay. I, for like I said, for a studio that's not Disney and 70s Disney, which is like the time of Disney that I don't like, I think specifically because mm-hmm. there aren't any good memorable songs in their movies 
Oh, you, okay, GG, I'm sorry, but it's like you just took an arrow and shot me in the back with that, because I love the music in The Rescuers. That was... Oh, no. I love Shelby Flint's music no. in there. Nope, it's too depressing. No, I... <laughs> no, like, like, anything like, from The Rescuers up to The Fox and the Hound? Mm-mm. Count me out. Well, those are the only two movies that they made. All right, well, then, see, okay. I'm justified. <laughs> well, no, you are. It's It's... I know too much about the Disney discography. To, it, yes, it was. They released the feature-length version of Winnie the Pooh in 77, as well as The Rescuers. Took years and years to basically not do anything. Then they made The Fox and the Hound. And then they spent a few more years being bought out by... Well, not bought out. Avoiding being bought out before making The Black Cauldron. But you're, you're not wrong. They didn't really do too much in the 70s because they, they didn't know what they were doing for a while. Yeah, I mean, I just think that compared to to movies that it were in that time period, like it, everything is very catchy. And then if you move a few years later, like you said, when you get to the Care Bear movie, when you get to the Strawberry Shortcake stuff, even the Rainbow Bright oh, movie yeah. has like really good, catchy, fun songs. And like, did so, they stem from I'm, Unico? Who knows? I'm, I don't. Thinks, I, I mean, I'm gonna go on a limb and say no because, I mean, I was, uh, we're gonna we're talking like very nicely about the dub and the overall movie itself, but for actual reception, uh, Unico did not make a lot of money. Uh, not even just in America, but also in Japan. None of the Sanrio movies were really like blockbusters, and they certainly didn't justify the huge cost that went into making them look as good as they did. It's a travesty. I am, I am sincerely bewildered to learn that. How? <laughs> this movie This movie is so immensely charming. How do you watch it and not fall in love? Well, that's the thing. You have to see it first and foremost. God damn it. And <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's like the Iron Giant, Amon. You know, it's like, this is a great movie. Why didn't it make a bajillion dollars? And it's like, because nobody went to see it. When I've it still like, oh, never I'll... seen it. I said it once and I'll say it again. Movie audiences cannot be trusted. Uh, it's true. <laughs> they can't. They, they really can't. As evidenced by the fact that this this movie and honestly not. Yeah, if I understand correctly, I think seeing Rio may have been a little ahead of their time is the problem. Because you got to keep in mind, they were doing uh, like grandiose, family-friendly big budget animated movies in the late 70s early 80s when no one else was doing that disney wasn't doing that ralph bakshi was doing his thing which again was not really family appropriate and didn't look anything like this <laughs> i'm amazed that you can call the second half of this movie family friendly I, okay, this bitch gets drunk and almost date raped and you're like, hey, this movie's family friendly. Oh, by the way, there's a giant fire monster at the end who's going to eat all of humanity. JJJ, I actually wanted to ask, since you apparently wa first watched this off a version taped on the Disney Channel, did they keep the whole part where the Baron just gets her absolutely <laughs> plastered? Yes, the I whole really... thing. The whole thing was there. <laughs> Amazing. That doesn't... That honestly doesn't surprise me, considering that, like, well, Disney movies have lots of people getting drunk before this and after this and no one was watching like television like tv animation for like censorship at that time period so i can totally understand why that didn't raise a anyone's concern at the time well no but i will like, tell you, you like they censored the shit out of warriors of the wind or nausicaa valley of the wind whatever the real title is but they censored well, that... the shit out of that movie to the point where when I went to the theater to see it as a grown-up, I didn't know what the fuck was going on because I was like, where did this extra hour come from? 
See, I was I like, this is a movie so about environment? Shit. Like, who the fuck knew? I mean, it, it's, it wasn't really, like, censorship because the content was too dark. It was, if I understand Warriors of the Wind, they just didn't think that they could sell a movie with a female lead. So they, they cut it up to try to make it more like a modern boys movie. I don't know. And failed miserably. That shit was censored as shit. But this was not. And I I yeah, I love it. Kidding. I love it. It introduced me to so many weird things that like I can't even I can't even thank them enough for twisting my mind. I do I, I do appreciate how much it turns into like an actual Grimm's fairy tale in the back half of the movie. Like it is very yeah. like Yeah, no. But, like, the unexpurgated version where bad things happen. Like, real bad things. <laughs> like, where the stepsisters They're... cut off their heels to fit in the glass exactly. slipper. Yeah, my yeah. dad read me, though. Yeah. It was like, I was yeah, no stranger. Yeah, no. That... But it, I, I like yeah, it. I think, think the dub songs added to the charm, especially once you get to the end and it's a whole shit show. <laughs> On that note, like, mm -hmm. um... Katie's singing, like Robin, I'm sorry, Robin's singing on that is really good. And like I'm saying, I'm surprised she doesn't have more credits because like, okay, I'm listening to the lyrics and the lyrics are really cheesy. And if you have cheesy lyrics, you need really good singing to carry it, which she does. Like all of the, all the people who have to sing in this are on pitch. They're not stretching syllables to match the meter. It like it, it's pleasant to listen to. I was gonna say I really like the Katie song because I think they did a good job of making it sound like she's making it up, but it doesn't. But it's not clumsy. Like, that's a good point. Yeah. It, like that's that's the thing I appreciate about all of the adaptations of the songs here. They that that one in particular because if you listen to it, you can hear that on the voc on the music track they have a synthesizer playing the vocal melody. Yeah. So like they can't they can't rewrite that. That's the melody they need to follow. <laughs> they need to find something that ma that matches that. Some of the other ones don't have that, but I do appreciate like these are well adapted. Like these sound like like this the, the thing that came to mind since it's all kind of vaguely kind of it has sort of a seventies singer songwritery kind of vibe to it. Mm -hmm. And if you present that to me, two people come to mind: Joni Mitchell, Carol King. And this is not Joni Mitchell for a variety of reasons. Oh. No, I, I wouldn't quite call no, this Carol no King, about but it is that kind of like, yeah, no, this is like these are like solid soft rock songs. You like, know you what could, it made you, me a... think of is like Lynn Aaron's from Schoolhouse Rock. Mm. Was that before or after this? No, this one before this. That was that was early in the seventies, I think. Yeah, yeah, like that's what that's yeah, what the that whole was, vibe yeah. gave me. Yeah, there's a, there's a real there's a real like good like quality children's songwriting to this, which I appreciate. Like it feels that's that's one thing that quality, I think this dub ex yes. that's one thing that I think this this dub and localization excels at. It feels like the people making it were, were like this was an actual gig for them, and they were like, okay, like no, we're gonna take this seriously. We're gonna put the effort in. We're not just gonna fart this out and be gone with it. Even um, the the voices of the gods in the beginning, they were just hysterical. Like they're, they're so funny. They they I like I like them because they especially have a very. They sound like they're from a uh, what's his name? They sound like they're from a Don Bluth movie. Like there's a yes! real there's a real like Don Deloise, <laughs> Charles Nelson Riley vibe to a couple of those guys. It's great. It's kind of bantering off of each other. Like, and Robin's voice is Katie. Katie as a character is so dramatic. She's so dramatic in everything that she does. It She's is, like, but it's not oh, an unlikable I want to be a girl. Like, I need it so much. 
Yeah, you see her go through all this stuff and just the voice matches, the singing matches. Oh, I love it. Now, I was going to ask you guys about with Katie. Um, she, uh, To me, it sounded like she had almost two voices. Like she had her kind of higher pitched cat voice, but then like her voice dipped a little bit. Like it got a little bit lower when she became a human. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, did that? Did you guys notice that too? That like she seemed like she intentionally changed her voice a little bit. See, I think it's funny that you said that because one of the notes I wrote down was that I don't hear a difference between when she's a cat and when she's a girl. Really? I feel like I feel like she does sound a little squeakier when she's a cat. Like it's, mm-hmm. if it, like it's not it's not super dramatic, but I think that there's like a little bit there. Almost just in the sense of like, well, Maybe her it... lung her lungs are bigger. Her, her, her <laughs> that's the no, justification. Not, not her lungs, her uh, voice box. I don't know anatomy anymore. I'm too old. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, the, like, they're method actors. They actually turned her into a cat to play the cat. Oh, wow. impressive! Uh, like, there's like, there's like a. It's not super dramatic, but it does feel like there's there's like a little bit of a difference in her vocal quality when she's playing a cat versus when she's playing a girl. Uh, which maybe it's just because. I mean, maybe it's just because she she's not whining as a human. She she just becomes very uh, conceited as a human. Maybe, maybe that's why it sounds so different. <laughs> but she does whine sometimes. Like I think, and here's here's my big tropey problem that I have like with this whole dub, is that every character who is supposed to be a child, like up to a teenager, is so loud. Oh my God, do they cry and do they scream and do they yell a lot? They are so loud. Like this is the running joke in my family that anytime somebody gets hurt or anytime somebody needs attention or like needs help with something, we will shout through the house, Unico, Unico, like shouting back and forth at each other because we all watch this movie way too much me my brother my cousins like my mom and my dad we've seen this movie so many fucking times but like like we'll we'll just scream it at each other like Beazle is like the worst offender in this but he's screaming katie's screaming i know unico is even screaming sometimes and i'm like oh my god but it's like they're so loud. There's so much screaming. It is, but it, it matches the. It, it, I feel like the the intensity of this was exactly where it was supposed to be, especially when well, the character design basically requires that the face is filled up by the mouth when they're screaming. You have to be over the top. You're drowning in the middle of the ocean. You need to scream loud. But he wasn't. He wasn't drowning. He was just being obnoxious. No, he wasn't drowning. No, Unico was drowning. Yeah, Unico was drowning. Beazle was just being obnoxious. And Katie, she she's obnoxious too. She's a little brat, but I fucking love her. So I will let that one slide. Because she's basically <laughs> me. Literally, That's Katie is basically me. So, I mean... <laughs> write, write down. Yeah, write it down. I'm Nana from both Nanas and Katie from fucking Unico. Um, that's a combo, right? right? That's a Tinder profile right there. Right? God, thank God I don't have to go through that anymore. Um, 
Thank, thank the gods. Yeah. Thank the gods, the gods above. I just like the screaming is like the one big turnoff for me in this movie. Like there had to be a better way. But then when you look at other things from the time, like if you if you watch the old dub from Warriors of the Wind, everybody's screaming mm. all the time. If you watch dubs from the 80s of of regular you know not regular but like american cartoons like everybody's screaming all the time everybody's I screaming they, i guess they thought american kids really enjoy yelling yeah i mean no wonder i lose my voice still sometimes to this day i blame Beazle. there is maybe there's this can tie into what you're talking about because there there is one issue that i found with the dub and it's not even with the actors it's with the mixing and that is that I'm not sure if I, I'm assuming that when they gave this movie over to the English people to dub, that they gave them a you know a clean track, a just music and effects track to work with to dub over cleanly. But throughout this entire movie, and it is more apparent when you get to like the screaming parts, it sounds like the that part, the sound and effects are low, but the voice is up. It's like they they're not leveled out with each other to mix properly. And the part that stuck out the most to me was actually when Beazel jumps into the ocean and uh, her, the actress, when Cheryl is, like, making sounds like, you know, she's drowning almost. And it, you can clearly tell that the sounds of the water don't match up with the sound of her, you know, swimming. So you can clearly tell that, no, it's just a, someone in the booth making drowning sounds. <laughs> I, I think... I think that you're right. Like the mixing is off here. If you watch the Japanese version that it sounds completely different. Like the whole tone is different. It's just a completely different movie. Yeah, I, I, I do. It feels like it's a combination of, I think the, the mix is a little weird. I think part of it's also where we have the misfortune that we are listening to it like 40 years after the fact. And like, this sounds pretty good, but this is not a clean master they're working from exactly. Right, there, there's still some, like, uh, especially when they scream, there's some, uh, what's it called, microphone peaks, where you can yeah, yeah. hear the audio yeah, spiking. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, so I, th I think I think we're, uh, yeah. so I think I think it's probably a combination of those two things, of, like, weird mixing initially, and also just, like, it's an old analog dub. I mean, it yeah. does have those charms, though. I'm like, I, I, I yeah. like, yeah, like, I was listening to, um, what was I watching? I think I was watching, um... Oh, uh, yeah, this is another movie from the 70s. I was watching Snoopy Come Home, which is another animated movie from the 70s with catchy songs in it, that you can clearly tell that the audio is being recorded in analog equipment. And it's even worse when you've got, you know, kids doing it because it's a lot harder to hide that. Mm -hmm. But it's got a charm to it. Oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of kids, um, I, kinda w I actually want to take the time to talk about Beazle a little bit because Cheryl's performance on there is so bubbly and definitely, like... Uh, it's fun to listen to for such a little shit. <laughs> so, that like that's the character who I wanted to get their own series. Like Katie's fine <laughs> and all, but give me a Beazle series. He'd just be all alone and like sad. Like Beazle is like little emo boy, except he's very loud. Yeah. I will tell you that. So until I watched this as an adult, I thought that the the same person who was Beazle was playing the the devil dad and i thought that the devil dad was really Beazle in disguise like you know the wizard of oz like how it's mm -hmm. the little man yeah. behind the curtain i was convinced and then like when i watched it as a grown-up i was like 
oh, no, that's literally he just, Unico just killed his dad. Cool. What is that? Like patricide <laughs> or something? Not not the first uh, Tezuka character with a body count. <laughs> Woof. It, it, I, I, Beazle's okay. Like, I, I will admit that I mostly will fast forward past the first 30 minutes of the movie to get to the last half, but... But there's that song in it. There's like, you know, a sad ballad song together. Yeah. I mean, like, there's just no characters in it. And it, it it's so depressing. <laughs> it is. I agree. It is the weaker part of the movie compared to the Katie parts. But I mean, Cheryl but, but, still does a good job. And oh, my God. Fucking Barbara Goodson. Really and truly? Really and truly and truly and truly? <laughs> yeah, that's. I will uh, never forget that as long as I live. Gigi, I, I want. What I want is I, I want you to record this movie, you know, <laughs> just your audio doing all the characters, and I want to sync that up to the movie instead and listen to that version. <laughs> Not because this dub isn't good, because it is. It's just, I think that would be more entertaining for me personally. Do I even get to play the drunk Baron vampire? Absolutely. I wouldn't have Perfect. any other way. You better like do a voice changer like Lil John or something. <laughs> Make it sound all auto-tuned and creepy like I'm down. <laughs> On that note, I, I want to be nice to the actors in this whole thing. And I think we've all been very nice. Uh, Dave is not very good as the Baron. Um, sorry, that, that is by far the weakest link of the entire dub because it is a flat flat going for debonair but just sounding disinterested male voice and i get the point that they were trying to go for uh he's a bad guy and we need to let people know that from the very beginning but come on you can just take one look at the guy and you know that he's bad you can still make him sound suave and debonair you don't have to make him sound like this i i get it i still like him but like i don't like the voice I feel okay. I feel bad because I sit there and laugh at all the scenes now and I like point out all the horrible things that are going on in a 2020s world and I'm like, "Oh, this would never pass today. Dear Lord, he would get this would get canceled like immediately." Yeah. But I'm like, "Oh my god, I can't stop watching it. It's still my favorite part of the movie." Like I was just like, "This is so stupid." <laughs> Dave is Dave felt like the weakest part of the movie, partially because I look at the Baron's character design. It's like you should sound like an Utena character, and you don't. And oh, if you, and if you do, it's because you sound like a character from the dub, which is not what I mean. You should sound like that's, a who character, and like like an like, Utena. like like Utena. <gasps> like I want something real, like a really big, grandiose, like bad guy from a shoujo. That's what he's supposed to be, and Dave. Obviously, probably did not know that that was a character type that existed when he made this in 1983. So, like, that's no. not what they're giving us. <laughs> no. I want, so no I, they want I want something so much bigger and nastier. I think, like, the thirsty girls who run the world now, they they were not having it in an 80s children's movie. So, we like, they no. couldn't direct him to be like, hey, you know, be more like, and I know he probably wasn't doing stuff in the 80s, but, like, be more like Junichi Suwabe. Or uh, be more mm -hmm. like the dude who plays Toga, whose name I can never remember, but he also played Adam in Skate the Infinity. He's a great actor. I'm sorry, Dawn. Please don't come at me. I love you. Um, and isn't it a shame that, you know, uh, dubbing studios from the 80s didn't have a time mirror to look into the future and be like, you see that? 
be like that. Yeah. No, he should have been way more campy. And and, and I'm sad because, like, you could do so much with it and be campy. But I think it's the mm-hmm. same way, like, in the other Unico movie where the guy who's basically this dude but blonde is also oh, yeah. not campy and, like, a big villain or, you know, whatever he's supposed to be, you know, heart of gold, whatever you want to call him. Like, I just, I kind of yeah. feel like all the the male characters who aren't specifically cast in a way to be comic relief just really kind of let me down in their performances. No, that's true. And it comes back to what you were saying about how this is in a time period where the archetypes didn't really exist in prior uh, English media. So it's like, what do you even compare this to? It's like we could maybe make it sound Dracula-ish, you know, kind of that... That's that's really the only thing I can think of, but it's like, well we can't get Bell Lagosi. I don't think he's available. I mean yeah, like let's just make him anything, f- like a British accent, like make it kinda creepy, make it let's let's go back in time and get Christopher Lee to play the Baron. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well that that would have been nice. I'll admit, that would have that, that would have been closer to I think what, what the original creators had in mind and just English people just didn't know what to do with this. And you're right, it, it's laughable now to watch, not just because of, you know, the rapey things going on, but also because, man, this voice is just not very good. I, I, I will say I do like the Baron's character arc in the movie better because it's very different from the manga. What happened in oh. the manga? Tell me. In the manga, in the manga, he's like a hunter. Like his whole gimmick is he hunts. He's he's been like murdering the animals in the forest and like stuffing their heads and putting them on the wall. And the only thing he's missing is a cat. Oh, that's kind of like what happens complete. in the second movie. Well, no, you're, you know you know how it resolves. I'm oh. assuming it doesn't involve stabbing him in the heart. No, Unico turns all the animals in the forest into people, and then they go raid his fucking castle and, like, drag him off to execute him. (laughs) Thanks, I hate it. I really, uh, I like the big devil vampire dude better. And and Katie gets rescued by a nice boy who turns out to be a little uh, tiger cub, and they they poke up. Oh, now see that? That would have been a cute ending, but it wouldn't have been action-y enough for, for, you know, a two-hour movie. I like the movie's ending better. Yeah, the movie's ending <laughs> comes out of fucking nowhere, man. It does. And it it's it looks great too. It's like, okay, we went from cute unicorns frolicking with their mother to the world is literally burning. And then it's and then it's okay again. There's like so many Except it's not okay. There's so many deep it's, messages in Unico movies. The second one more so than this one, but like mm-hmm. y'all, these people knew what they were doing. Pan, like pandering to children mm. to get them to learn about messages like don't be a date rapey jerk <laughs> and <laughs> save the environment just... I, I mean I have to assume that if anyone had seen this movie like, like enough people had seen it where it had become you know popular at the time period Maybe they would have had some objections to that being the lesson of the movie. But let me tell you, the eighties were a different world, man. Like, it, w- yeah. My dad's got a lot of art, 
and like some of this artwork like it would not fly today it'd be like why is that lady have like wings and a giant sword and she may or may not have a top on i don't know but then there's like a big kraken coming out of the ocean and she's like trying to stab it while the kraken it was fucking weird it was like it's so weird like all that D and high fantasy stuff that supposedly went on in the Let's 80s just watch movie. fucking stranger things man I miss, I miss I miss Frank Frazetta too. <laughs> That's what we should do for the next episode. Fire and Ice, the the, the Canadian movie. Oh God! He did, uh, he did oh, character no. design stuff for. Not no, not that movie. Not that rotoscoped mess. No. <laughs> I look, look. This is like not... look. I'm gonna be very honest with you. I saw the Ralph Bakshi Lord of the Rings movie at a very impressionable age, and I thought that rotoscope shit was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. It, it okay, did terrible it is, things to my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Fire and Ice. Fire and Ice is not the worst Bakshi movie it, by a long shot. I'm just like, I, I'm just not really into the whole like barbarian sword and sorcery Conan uh, thing anyway. So when I saw Fire and Ice, I was just like, this is just kind of boring. Yeah, that'll. But do I it. liked it. I liked it much better in um, American Pop and Lord of the Rings. Mm. To be fair. Yes. So, oh um. Uh, let's uh, so wrapping this up then. Um, we we should probably talk about Unico then. Let's actually talk about Barbara Goodson, who uh, this is one of her first roles. This is one of her first credited things that she has done, and clearly she, uh, this movie has paved the way for her to continue to be in movies today. Like everyone hears Barbara Goodson, they don't think Rita, they don't think Fooly Cooly, they think Unico. Clearly, really, really, and truly, really and truly and truly and truly, really and truly, they only yes, very. And, okay, to be fair, it is a very adorable voice. It is, like, I listened to that, and I had already written down that, okay, this is going to be voiced by Barbara Goodson, but I'm listening to this, like, how is this not a, a Nancy Cartwright or a Case Susie role? Like, this sounds like the kind of things that they would be doing about ten years from now. I don't know, man. A Unico is so freaking cute. Like, just her voice in him is just so adorable, and it just, like... Her performance, I know it's a mythical baby creature, but it just sounds so genuine to me. Like, Mm -hmm. she really believes everything that Unico is saying and that Unico stands for. Like, the fact that he can only make people happy, like, if he loves them and they love him back. Like, he can't just give Beazle his horn you know, he has to have feelings too. Like, and that's the kind of emotion that you have to put into a performance, as silly as it may sound to be putting that much emotion into a little baby unicorn. But I don't know. It, it makes me cry every time. Like, just the whole thing. It sucks. It, not the dub, the, that whole, um, uh, the Japanese have this concept that things are only, uh, important to us because they're temporary uh mono no aware and this movie is so much that it's a we're going to give you this great friendship or this great connection with this character only to yank it away from you to make you feel bad uh it's heartbreaking and unico like performing as unico you have to have your heart broken over and over and over again and i think barbara did a really good job especially if this was one of her first voice acting roles like 
That's crazy to me. Like, I just, I don't know. I just, I love it so much. Really and truly. It's hard. Are you saying it's hard to kind of judge it critically just because it's so ingrained in your DNA at this point? No, I mean, because I know there are some parts that are also really annoying. Like, it's the same, you know, ones where I, I think Unico is being kind of preachy. And I don't know if I believe Unico being preachy when he could basically do whatever he wants and whatever, but... I don't know. I just, I really like it. And I know we didn't really talk about her that much, but I just would like to say a big shout out to the lady who played the narrator, because as an actress who has a very photographic memory, I have played many a narrators in my time because I can memorize large chunks of dialogue. And without Mm -hmm. that, I'm pretty sure I based a lot of my performances on the tone of voice and the talking to small children that it sounds like the narrator's doing in this movie. Like she's reading a, a storybook to small children. So 20 out of 10 on the narrator. That's a good comparison. It, it reminded me a lot of the, the narrator from going back to another show that Amon just brought up, Utana. It kind of reminded me of that same storybook narrator voice that it's it's not condescending and it's not cynical either. It's a very sincere reading to the audience of what is going on. Yeah, there's some good, there's a good like, I think it brings to mind is like when I was a kid, you know, my parents were being like, you know, you know, like book, sort of like kids' books on tape kind of things. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, I, and I can, and I can, and this definitely has this. This de- and her her voice definitely has the vibe of one of those. You know, there's a little music in the background. She'll tell you, you know, fairy tales or something like that. You know, uh, what is it? You know, Wind in the Willows, maybe something like that. And it's just very like this is so. Oh. It's like it's really, it's really well done as narration, both in that it doesn't feel too bogged down, but it also feels very engaging for like a kid. There's a real, there's a real, there's sort of a, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to let you in on this world. Come on, kids. Let's Gather the fun around. Gather around. Yeah, and be, and time for story time. Let's be happy. <laughs> and maybe it's just because, you know, we're, we're living in the worst timeline right now of our reality, <laughs> but it's nice to be able to take it back into that, uh, that more innocent, um, accept the, the mythological world without questioning, like, how does this work in real life kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, going going back to Barbara, I think I appreciate that like Unico never gets like too cloying or cutesy or anything like that. Like she does a good job of being really adorable, but still feeling like a character I can follow around for ninety minutes and have a good time. It's it would be interesting to see if like this could have been expanded into a like into a TV show because like I feel like Unico gets only as much screen time as he needs to. Because he's constantly jumping from you know plot to plot, and I'm not sure if like just focusing on him alone for episodes upon episodes as the main character would be really something that an audience could accept because he's so cutesy and you know positive all the time. Well, you know they they made a pilot for a TV show. You know that, right? Yes, they did. It actually came before this, and I, I have not gotten around to watching it yet because I think it's only available on the, the home video release of this that Discotech put out. It is, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, like, but, and, uh, mm-hmm. never got made. Yeah, n- it never got made into a series, but we did get these movies out of it. Yeah, I mean, they did one. I mean, I've, having read the manga, like the the structure of pretty much all the chapters is Unico shows up. Unico doesn't remember who he is. Unico encounters somebody who's having a hard time. Unico helps him out. 
Uh, some of them are better than others. <laughs> and yeah, and then that's, I, I think that for what we got, I think the reason why the longevity of these movies, for those who have seen them, sticks around so long is because we got so little of it. It's, you know, it's like we got just enough content to sate the appetite, only to not have anything else except for like cameo appearances ever again. Wait, where's Unico cameoed? Because I need to watch uh, that today. I, I go to the Wikipedia article to find out, but um, because it's a, a Sama Tezuka fran- uh, Oh, character, all right. Never mind then. The, I'm sure yeah, he's yeah, in yeah. fucking blackjack or it's, something. It's the star system. I got to interject all the characters. I got to connect everyone. The original cinematic universe. That kind of thing. <laughs> Gotcha. It's funny that reminds me. The mon- the manga absolutely takes advantage of that, and it's in retrospect funny to me because, like, of course, of course, the Sanrio anime doesn't. Because why would they? They have their own characters they can insert in there. Right. Uh, but yeah, the the manga is weird. Like, it's interesting, but it's weird. It ends really. Imagine- it ends really abruptly. Do you want to know how it ends? Yeah, because well, I like flipped it? through it, and I was like. This ends in a really weird place. I don't know if I want to read the beginning to figure out how it got here. Like, like it's short. It's basically like eight oversized chapters. Like it's you can get okay. it in you can get it in one volume. And so here's the fun thing: the episode with Bezel is the last chapter. Oh. And it, 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 so so fun fact: uh, in the manga, it's not the gods who have an issue with Unico. It's specifically Venus who's angry that Unico makes people happy. What a oh, bitch. it's a Trojan War kind gonna, of nonsense. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest. Ikari kind of wonders if maybe Tezuka got Venus and uh, what's her name? Hera? Aphrodite. No, no. Well, no, they're the same character. Who's Zeus's wife? Hera. They're, um, uh, Hera. Hera. Yes. Yeah. I wonder if he got Venus and Hera confused because this feels like something Hera would pull. Um, but she's the actual instigator. And then in the last chapter, the West Wind shows up and it's like, oh, Venus has decided to stop being such a jackass. <laughs> Come on, really? And then the last panel is Bezel like standing on a cliff edge, going, "Unico, where'd you go?" And at the bottom, it just is the end. Aww, what a dick move! <laughs> like it's Bezel. Like, actually, it was like, did this get canceled abruptly halfway through writing the chapter? This is really sudden. It's weird. Unico like, died whole on her way is... home. On his way home. <laughs> to his home planet. On his home planet. <laughs> okay, Poochie. It, that does sound like that. It sounds like a very abrupt. Okay, we got to wrap this up in two it's, panels. Yeah, it's, re- it's it's real abrupt. It's I'm I'm curious to know what the deal behind that was because it felt like they could have done that a little more something. I don't know. I well, I guess maybe in retrospect, maybe in retrospect, it's good that we we only got the two movies then because that's all the that's all the content that we needed for you. Well, to but go. the second movie is a completely original story, right? Like it ha- it's not even in that's, the manga. Yeah, for based on like I looked over the uh, like synopsis of it because I haven't seen it and like, is there a Sphinx in the second movie? There is, yes. but it's not like, I, very prominent. The baby Sphinx. Yeah, there, there's like right. there, like that that is partially from one of the chapters, but it sounds like it's not really an adaptation. It's just they took that character and did something else with it. Yeah, because Look, he, he literally pops in sell. out of nowhere. Yeah, basically, let's sell some yeah. plushies. All right, guys, we have to adapt a minimum of part of the manga for contractual reasons. Pick something. <laughs> uh, cute, plushy, sphinx baby character. Good. Great. Perfect. Great. Print it. We'll do it. But doesn't the story take place in the... What? No, 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 no. Just, just put it in there. But but this is a story about people turning into rock monsters. 
just just turn us put the sphinx in there yeah you have to break up the story about human trafficking by putting a little baby sphinx in there <laughs> absolutely all the best kids movies about human trafficking absolutely yeah You're right <laughs> this has gotten off topic um i think we've covered basically everything we want to about the dub for this movie so uh, I suppose let's wrap this up by um, everyone going around and kind of saying their thoughts on the dub and the movie itself. Uh, Gigi, take it away. So you should all go watch this movie. It's on Crunchyroll. It's for free. I think it's on Retro Crush too. And yes. mm-hmm. if you have any kind of nostalgic feelings or even wish to learn about things that were from the 80s, like I said, like Care Bears, Strawberry Shortcake, the first Rainbow Bright OVA is like really dark and like... I don't know, like, I don't know how Paw Patrol, like, your kids would handle it. Like, if you have kids now, I wouldn't show them Unico. I'd maybe wait till they were, like, 9 or 10. Just so you don't have to have that awkward conversation about what Katie's drinking in the castle. But I definitely, (laughs) if if you're, like, you know... PG thirteen. I would I would go watch these movies. They're well. I would watch the first movie. The second movie is not my favorite. First one I love. They're very. It's very cute. It's got a dark side to it. There is a cute weird demon boy in it. Even though if he's the worst character in the universe, um, it's got cute songs. And I I for its time, it's it's a pretty good dub comparatively to all the other things that were coming out in the in that time period so if you just want to spend like an hour and a half and kind of like turn your brain off it's a it's a nice it's a nice thing to watch but you will cry if you have any feelings at all in your soul i have similar thoughts brief sidebar uh gg this rainbow bright ova does this have a does this have a kid with a robot horse in it that is the movie that came after the ova the movie is also dark and has a bunch of slavery in it yeah that sounds right (laughs) That's a pitch right there. <laughs> the 80s. Welcome to the 80s, fam. <laughs> it was acceptable in the 80s. Reagan wasn't charged. Drunk and robot horses. Oh, boy. Uh, anyways, no, I have similar feelings. Like, I, this movie is very charming. I am I am a little irritated that Disney Channel wasn't rerunning this by the time I was rewatching I was watching <laughs> Disney Channel. I would have loved to see this as a kid. I the the little kid of me who just sort of watched whatever cartoon you put in front of him and sometimes that <laughs> landed and sometimes it didn't would have loved this movie. And I would have continued to love it as I got older. It's like, yeah, it was a good movie. I like it when it turns into a Dio album at the end. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. It, it, it does go very, um, uh, I don't know, you already called it metal. I'm not even sure if that's the right word. Oh, um, I, I mean, I, speaking of Frank Frazetta, it's <laughs> like there's, there's a real, like, 70s fantasy art vibe to those last, like, 15 minutes, 10 minutes, yeah, however long it is. I have to wonder if that was, like, it, it kind of deviated from what they originally started out at, and it was, like, an attempt to tap into the zeitgeist of what was big in america at the time i'm not sure if that was the plan or not maybe i don't know i feel like even then 81 81's like the conan movie hasn't come out yet yeah you're right that's that's pre that's just after star wars comes out and there's no star wars influence on this at all so yeah they're it's they're like, going for a different market I know, like i don't hate it i don't know where it came from but i'm glad it's there it's weird <sighs> It's weird, but you know what? I like weird in my normal movies. It makes them more interesting. Me too. They, they don't make weird movies anymore. 
They do, but they are not the good kind of weird. I liked Mandy. I didn't see that. That's got Nicolas Cage uh, fighting a guy with a chainsaw. That's why I didn't watch it. <laughs> the Nicolas Cage with a chainsaw? The Nicolas Cage? I'm a you, vampire! You I'm a vampire! You, you, you and my girlfriend would get along. She also does not care for Nicolas Cage. Yeah, um, buddy. But, but the... All right, you're... I, the we're point. talking about the I know, Christopher right. Lee playing the Baron. No, Nicolas Cage is the Baron. That's what needs to happen. I can't talk to you anymore. All right, but I've I've derailed this enough. Um, this is a very charming movie. I like this dub on it. I it is very it's very early eighties. It's it's age shows, but I feel like it shows in a way that feels very charming. I feel like I could show this to like. Uh, I mean, they, like kids, like kids of a certain age, at least, who like before they, you know, care. <laughs> kids young enough that they don't care about things being cheesy or hooky yet, basically. And you could show this to them, and I think they would have a grand time. It's a lot of, it's fun. I would show this to my kids if, when I have kids. Uh, I have not. I intentionally watch this without the kids. And for reference, I have shown them things like the Galaxy Express three nine movie and. Uh, uh, check stop motion movies like Toys in the Attic before. I would have second guesses about uh, showing them at least uh, Ruby and Leo who are four and two right now. I mean, Oliver could probably get into uh, this. Four, just fine. four and two is probably a little young. How old's Oliver? He just turned eight. Yeah, oh turned my eight god! Yeah, that's stop fine. it! He's an old man. <laughs> well, yeah. He, I, I mean, can't he, believe he my my adopted daughter Ruby is four. I can't believe that that little baby. I just want to turn to Maze Hughes right now. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, my daughter who just turned four years old this year. <laughs> anyway, so, so yeah, as far as kids' movies go, um, actually not just kids' movies, but as overall anime itself, like Unico encompasses a very weird time in anime history because it, I mean, it, this is the time like when things were about to go big in the OVA direction. Like, we were about to get into the anime is, like, tits and blood kind of time period, and Unico is not that. It is very much a... It was aiming for a mainstream, uh, mostly younger audience, so I, I respect that quite a bit. And especially that we were fortunate enough to get a, you know, a commission dub for it that sounds really good, not just by the day's standards, but also even today, like... It doesn't sound out of place too much, except for some of that mixing stuff and the really weird performance on the Baron there. Other than that, I could totally see this playing in a film festival with, like, the recent Masaki Yuasa or Mamoru Hosoda film that G-Kids has been putting out. I, and I hope a lot more people check this out, because it, it, it needs to be commended that even back in the 80s, there were people in the voice acting industry who were indeed giving it 110%. They didn't view it as just a gig to you know knock out in between commercial work they actually put the right amount of heart and soul into it and made it just as good in dub as um actually maybe even better in sub i i haven't seen it in sub yet but Gigi said that it wasn't as good so i'm gonna take her word for it and say the dub is slightly better and i agree i too would have loved to have seen the time period that this was airing on the disney channel i i've never saw it at that but, uh, yeah, the Disney Channel, for those who don't know, used to actually air every kind of animation you could think of. They aired forgotten old stuff from Canada. They released uh, Cats Don't Dance. They put out 
like weird stuff late at night that no one had ever heard of. They put out Paddington Bear. Like it, Disney Channel was like a conglomerate of any cartoon that they could get their hands on at the time. And that was before. I don't even know what they're doing nowadays. I haven't watched the Disney Channel in a while. Owl House. I don't. I told you I don't watch the Disney Channel. <gasps> I only watch stuff that's on Disney Plus. I did see the first season of Owl House, and I do love Amphibia. Like I love the second season of Amphibia. I. I I should apologize. I do know the cartoons they're putting out in there are very good. Noah, the second season of Owl House is also on Disney+. Plus. You should get on that. Oh my god. I know. It's Ryoko from Tenchi Mio. Like, it's literally Ryoko <laughs> as a mom. I know. It's Wendy Malick playing a, 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 not even a cranky, just a, I don't know. It's just Wendy Malick playing Wendy Malick. And I, I love that. I do love that character. It's amazing. It is. So that is our that is our coverage of the Unico first movie and to kind of an extent the second movie as well. Yay! So if you've been if you've been listening to this for the last hour and seven minutes and you're like I gotta see what this weird Tezuka Sanrio date rape lava monster de- demon movie, I gotta see what this is about. You can. It is currently streaming right now for absolutely free on Crunchyroll and Retro Crush. You gotta see it. It is there right now in both sub and dub, if just in case you want to see it in the original Japanese. And it is available on home video, thanks to our good buddies over at Discotech. We say good buddies not because we know them personally, but because they put out the good retro stuff that, you know, we love so much. So thank you, Discotech, for continuing to do that. We will continue to buy almost everything you put out. Sometimes they release stuff I've never heard of before, but for the most part, seem to be doing a good job. If you want to follow us here on this podcast, this is the Dub Talk Podcast. You know that. You've been here for this long. And you can subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Podcast. We also have a uh, Podbean feed. We have a Twitch channel that has been getting a lot of usage recently. We have a, the Twitter account, which is Dub Talk Podcast, if you're looking for the most recent stuff that we are tweeting about. And, yeah, you should totally support us. Just like the fine folks on our Patreon, because we have a Patreon too, and we would not be able to do special retro episodes like this without the fine folks who help us out, get the episodes a little bit early, and are just amazing. Starting off, of course, with our $5 patrons. We could not do this without Megan's mom and dad. We couldn't do this without Michelle Travis. We couldn't do this without Miraculous Corazon. We couldn't do this without Nico Robin, but with Yowie Hands. We couldn't do this without Sue Tweet, and we could not do this without... Victor Mayberoda. And topping it off, of course, we've got our special $10 patrons, the people who are absolutely amazing and deserve a huge shout out in this section right here. Starting off, of course, with Carly Lestikow. Thank you so much, Carly. Big thanks to Crimson Echidna, man. Thank you so much. Big thanks to Jacob Wilson, good man. Thank you also to Jared Hawkins, who is equally, if not slightly more amazing. Also, big thanks to Julia W. Keep up the retro watching. Thank you also to Marissa Lenti, who is an amazing individual. And big thanks to Otaku Anthony, one of the best. Before I send you all off to the rest of your day, Gigi, what are you doing when you're not talking about uh, old Sanrio films with amazing singing and demons who should be voiced by Nicolas Cage. Well, I'm over at YouTube and Twitter at Anime Palooza, where you can find me playing Udapri Shining Live, 
whining about how I want Kamu to step on me, who, hmm, Tomoaki Maeno would have been a good voice for the Baron now that I think about it. And uh, just basically (laughs) trying to exist in a world where I am tired all the time. Unico, if you're out there, please come visit me. That is all I want out of my life right now. (laughs) No, we all all could use a special, uh, we could use a magic unicorn in our lives right about now. I need, I need some happy. Amon, do you have a, a magic unicorn? I, I know you've got a very metal lifestyle. Surely you've got a magic unicorn in your back pocket. No, I have a black cat. Uh, <laughs> Almost as good. very cute. Does she sing? Uh, but she yells at you and she's hungry. Does that count? <laughs> Close enough. That's I do that too. Yeah. Uh, Cricket's a good girl. Anyways. Oh, no, it's not Cricket. Cricket passed away, unfortunately. Oh, I'm, s- I'm sorry. Uh, don't worry. Don't worry about it. No, this is another one we're fostering named uh, Nikki. She's very cute. Yay! Oh, hi, she's Nikki. Got, she's got, she's got, oh, she's got white fur on all her on her uh, paws, so she looks like she's wearing little booties all the time. Oh. Anyways, if so, you like, so, if uh huh. Yeah, I was gonna ask what what are you doing when you're not fostering cats? Well, sometimes you can go to my Twitter at uh, I'm on Dual US. Sometimes I'll post photos of her, but mostly I'll just retweet things and talk about like movies and bullshit. Uh, but also, I'll talk about music because I like music, and I have a dusty old song. <gasps> Would oh, you yes, like it? Thank... Yes, please. Well, please. Well, as you know, uh, Unico came out in 1981, dubbed in English and released in 1983. You know what also came out in 1983? What? Oh, oh uh, what? I, I actually, I, I a lot of things came out, but I was guessing. Okay, what came out? I what? What did you think? I, I thought you were going to mention like um, uh, what, what was it? Uh, one of the first um, uh, Gainax OVAs I think came out around that same time, but I, I think I'm way off from what you're thinking of. No, what also came out in 1983 was Holy Diver by Dio. Oh. Yes, yes, bringing up Dio was foreshadowing. <laughs> I got him. Also, I love the image of Ronnie James Dio forcing his band members to watch this movie because it's like, no, no, the last 15 minutes are great. Watch, watch. <laughs> they, they just all get drunk until the end and when the good parts nice. comes on, they're passed out. Well, let, let us note the video for Holy Diver is literally Ronnie James Dio dressed as a barbarian roaming around a, de- uh, like, a decaying church fighting people. Like, <laughs> he, he knew what he liked what? and what he liked was sword and sorcery bullshit. That could have been in one of the movies. And then Unico comes along and, like, brightens up the day. Yeah, that, I can totally see that happening. And that's why Dio is the only metal singer who has an anime character named after him. <laughs> oh my god, I of. just got that. Yeah. <laughs> I, a part of me is a little sad he did not live to see the JoJo resurgence. I feel like he would have been interested, if a little confused. Oh, I love it. That's right, because... He- but he, he was around, like, enough to see the, uh, or at least to have heard of the OVAs at the very least, right? I mean, I guess, but, like, those I, feel OVAs like I feel like those were kind of low profile at the time. Like, I don't know if those right. were on his radar. Yeah, it was more of a manga thing and not really an anime thing at the time. Yeah. That's true. But, you know. But I, that's a legacy. We, we All of us could only hope to one day have an anime character named after us. Like, I mean, he's an anime character named after him. He's probably the guy the guy that popularized the metal devil horns. So, you know. Oh, the, um, the, 
I, I'm holding up right now. Like yeah, yeah, no, there, you can see it. Yeah, there's a good, there's a good chance he's the reason those are a thing. Really? There's a, there's no, I mean, there's no confirmed origin, but like he at least has claimed it because that is absolutely a thing he did in his stage show for a long time. So. Okay, so at least popularize it because I, I have to imagine that in the you know couple thousand years that humans had been alive that someone had done well, that before, no, well, no, no that's the great thing according to him this is something he learned from his italian grandmother it's a hand sign supposed to both <laughs> if you hold it up it wards off evil and if you point it at somebody it bestows evil upon them mm-hmm. that is that, that's that's badass yeah that's what that's with the Italians. That's why that's why I want it to be true. That's a way better origin story than like, oh, Gene Simmons was doing it on a Kiss album cover. It's like, fuck that, no. <laughs> Let Dio have this. Yeah, way off topic there. Oh, you Let me bet. wrap this up. I just, my, uh, now I am Noah Clue. You can follow me on Twitter at Noah Clue, where, as mentioned before, if I, I got cute kids and I will post pictures of them or the dog that we just got. Um, we've had for a while actually, but she still feels like a new puppy because she is adorable. And she will continue to be adorable, even if she continues to chew up the things I leave on the floor. I gotta stop doing that. Um, and, but yes, that's uh, that's what I do. And uh, when we're done with this, I'm gonna uh, go find more retro movies to watch because I've been enjoying this binge. And there's a lot of wonderful, amazing, completely forgotten animation out there that thankfully is not lost to time. So do yourselves a favor, go hunt it down. I was going to say, what comes next? Uh, well, I will tell you what's coming next um, as far as like the schedule goes. And uh, yeah, I guess I can keep this in here. So uh, me and one other person on the podcast are going to be getting on board a train that goes through outer space. The Mugen one train? Say, mm, that's not, I don't think that's right. Thomas enough. the train? <laughs> Look, just... Just because the anime community forgets something that came out six months ago doesn't mean Mugen Train is considered retro, okay? There was no... Th- Thomas is becoming a cartoon now, but that, that still doesn't qualify for this particular podcast. Thomas the Train's real big in Japan. It's it getting is, a Nendo. Okay, but call me back when he becomes a DLC in Smash Brothers. <sighs> I need to go watch be something be cute Be careful now. what you wish for, Noah. I I'm just I I don't need justification for Thomas being popular in Japan. I just need more memes. That that's all I need. Look, you saw what happened when Sora got announced today. Chaos and pandemonium? Yes. But the good kind. I wanted Waluigi. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> and you know, I wanted Unico, so guess we all We can't all can't get what we want now, can we? But sometimes you get what you need. Sounds fair. All right. We're going to Led Zeppelin ourselves out of here. Thank you all for listening. And I'm going to finish this off by answering a question that was asked at the beginning of the podcast. Amon, you want to know who wrote Flowers of Life? Mm-hmm. Fumi Yoshinaga. Yes, yeah, she does great BL and DMP sits on all the goddamn licenses in English. And I fucking hate it. <laughs> I'm looking at the art here. <laughs> Like, uh, let's see, is this the same person who did um, Antique Bakery? I believe it is, yes. Yes! If it's yes! about yes! old men, then yes. Yep, that, that is an unmistakable art style right there. Daddy. That, that's what I want to end this episode off with. Daddy. Has nothing to do with Unico. That's what we're ending off with. Okay, Daddy. Love your faces! <laughs> rock, Thanks rock. for listening. 
Rock on Boston, rock over Chicago. Aloha, otaku on my friends, and remember to have love in your heart for the unicorn out is still out there somewhere. He can't remember who he is. I forgot this had an amnesia trope. <laughs> you just ruined it for me. <laughs> <laughs>